Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. We are track walking. Today, we are going to try to figure out how we learn and how we can get to know ourselves better on and off the track and everything See, I don't, like that. I'm not sure I want to know myself better. I don't I don't like mm. how much I know myself right now. Mm. But uh, well, yeah, go with that. It, it's funny. It's like we talked before we started recording. I just listened to the uh, the goats and the racers excuse uh, episode that we recorded a little while ago, and um, instantly in in going down this one, I'm like, man, part of this is also finding out we're lying to ourselves. So it's like, cool. This is like a, a running theme joke almost. Yeah, that we're bad at talking to ourselves and yeah. being honest with ourselves that's what you're saying yeah i mean we i think we think we maybe that's a good place to start i think we sincerely believe that we know ourselves and i think we're, we're sincere when we do a lot of thinking and reflecting and sharing with friends that this is what i believe I'm all about this is what I think I'm good at this is what I where I think I can improve but I think all of those are probably wrong <laughs> all right okay <laughs> so, you know. so so in racing we we spend a lot of time and certainly it's racing so probably a lot of money trying to get better at driving so i guess pitching it to you seth before you take a drink out of your coffee what are some things there you go <laughs> what are some things that you have done or could do that would help you become a better driver uh one of the the things i was actively trying to do when i went all right i need to uh to start riding motorcycles on track was the acknowledgement that I don't have the resources necessary to um, to drive cars on track as much as I want to. Um, cars are expensive and time consuming. So I actually started riding motorcycles on track as a way to get more track time because I think the things that you learn like the whole autocross corresponds to road racing, road racing corresponds to autocross. Um, and I think that motorcycles correspond to cars in a lot of ways. When I had uh, autocross students that came from motorcycles to autocross, they were there were things they could do immediately that I could teach them immediately that they were so much better at. So I knew you gained skills um, riding a motorcycle on track towards cars. So my thought was that because I had the, this go-kart track that was six miles from my house, that I could go ride motorcycles and I could do it frequently and I could get way, 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 way more track time. Even if it wasn't car track time, it was track time in general and that would make me a better driver because people had told me for years and years and I saw it, at least I saw it in autocross, the more time you spend doing a thing, the better you get at the thing. Um, so I actively sought out more track time by not doing it in cars. 
because I simply can't afford the the time and the expense to spend 10,000 laps a year in cars. But I can do that with motorcycles. So you, you're subscribing to the notion that not practice makes perfect, but practice makes better. Absolutely. Like the more, I'm, the I'm, more that you can do a thing, the better you get. Right. So how do you know that you're doing better when you're getting all your seat time and all your track time on your bikes? Like uh, the f- first things first, I and, and I can't believe people don't do this, I run a lap timer. Um, especially when I was starting, I have no reference for whether or not something is faster you know you can do things and even in a car we do this all the time right like that that felt so good but whether it feels good and whether it's faster are often different things like you can go through a corner and be like dude i nailed that that is the way through the corner that is the best and you look at the data and you realize you actually came out of that corner slower than doing it another way and so feel isn't always the best way to do things, um, but time almost always is, right? Like there, there's a truth in data. This is the we lie to ourselves, right? Like, like I was, like I I was will... about to say it, so. <laughs> the only thing real is data. Everything else is opinion. Um, so I run, I have the, the aim solo and the very first thing I did was make them out for it on, on my bike. And I don't always like pull data traces and look at stuff, but I'm always paying attention to time. Um, and I have, uh, although I wish I had the solo two, the solo two is rad because it's so much easier to like (laughs) set sectors and, and all those things. Like, you know, you're fast in a sector and it's got lights and you know, there's like fancy stuff. And the solo one is like monochrome and you're just you have basically have like a number um but i have places on the track where i look down and i can tell you when i come out of the first double apex if i'm below 18 seconds i'm going good and then i have like three places on track where i do a mental sector time thing um because I know what those times are for good laps and, and bad laps. And I can tell you if I've picked up time in a sector, I've taught myself, you know, picking up time in a sector by doing that. It's, it's kind of an old school way to do it, but I desperately wish I had a solo. It spent the money on a solo too, because I've driven with those on carts and the, the things they do with sector times and the fancy lights and, uh, yeah, those are so awesome. We should all, we should all have data. Yeah, and I'm I'm using the Epix Pro, and I'm I upgraded to the uh, the premium subscription thing for this year, so I'm gonna be able to overlay video and break down sector times and have some predictive times in the Apex Pro sense. So I'm excited about that. It's it's always it was, and I wanted to ask you sincerely and like not prep you on this because it was interesting, you know you started talking about the the seat time is very important but ultimately what your butt feels isn't a reliable way of improving that you have to you have to get outside of yourself to be able to improve that you can't rely on your senses 
but on top of that, we teach, and, and you've taught people enough that, that a huge part of teaching is teaching people to feel the car. Like we do a huge, like you have to be able to listen to your butt. You have to be able to, to listen to the car through your hands and your butt and your feet and know, yes. you know, is the front end actually gripping? Is the rear end gripping? You know, how does different inputs affect the the way the car pitches? Um, you know, all of those things. And I that's the reason I'm, I'm hesitant to go, you know, uh, don't rely on feel because feel is is so important. Like feel is everything in driving, right? You don't, you can't, I don't think you can learn to go fast until you can feel those things. And so if anybody's thinking, oh, cool, I'll just drive by data and not worry about feel, that's that's not at all what I'm trying to say. Sure. Because, I don't know, can you expand on that? Like as an instructor, you, you kind of know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> Put me in the hot seat. Um, yeah. No, I... <laughs> I want to hear I you talk. I agree, but it's it's what and how you program those sensations to be. So just because we can become more aware of what's happening, we have to, I think, again, like seek that outside uh, input in terms of what these feelings mean to your car and your tires in on this track at this particular corner. Like that just becoming aware isn't enough. You have to know what these sensations mean. And part of understanding what these sensations mean is comparing those sensations to data, comparing them to video, comparing them to other drivers, uh, talking with an instructor and a coach is, is labeling and defining what we're feeling as because I, I could think that oversteering uh, on corner exit feels good it feels right it feels like I'm going fast because I can I can feel the back end step out and it feels cool but is that the fastest way around cool. it <laughs> objectively it feels cool yeah. but does that mean that you're going as fast as you possibly can Probably not. Right. But how do you know that? I think but, you have but to mid corner, get outside but mid corner, of yourself. Yeah, but mid-corner, that same sensation can be fast. But how Like much? rotating the car. And that's, yeah, that's the thing. So, um, yeah. So, we, we lie to ourselves. Data does not lie to us. Is that kind of the... Yeah, it. I think the lying part, but also the what does this mean? Like if we're talking about those seat of the pants feeling and the sounds that we hear and things like that, it's a lot of it's just labeling and defining these things so that as we get that seat time that you were talking about at the beginning, that seat time, we can start to bank all these experiences and sensations and inputs into our brain and our body that then we can just start a huge catalog of what all these mean in this particular corner and you know eventually work that bandwidth so we're really aware of so many things and we we know exactly in this kind of corner with somebody on our inside we can we can you know 
let off the brake a little bit slower to get a better run out of the corner, things like that. But I think all of those things have to come from the outside. It's not just that practice makes perfect or that practice makes better, but perfect practice makes better. And how do you, okay, so we're going to throw this back at you then. So that was my, okay. like, what have you done to consciously be better? What have you done to consciously be, be that perfectly practicing done? Scott? Yeah. Like, like, cool. I ride, I ride crappy kids, motorcycles. What do you do? Yeah. Um, I drive a Miata, uh, <laughs> with a, <laughs> with a huge, um, following and base of Miata people who, can help me with setup and it's one of those ubiquitous cars that almost everybody has driven at some point but one of the earliest things I actually did on the in preparation for actually the first one lap of America in the car before we had suspension before we really <laughs> did much to the brakes uh, we did safety and then I bought an Apex Pro uh, and this would have been early 2018, I think. Yeah, 2018. So I was one of the earlier people to get on that because I felt like one of the best things that I could do for my driving was instead of throwing the five or six hundred dollars at an Apex Pro or at better brakes or six hundred dollars at more power or whatever it was that spending that five or 600 bucks on data, I'd be able to pay that off for years to come because no matter what I do to the car, getting that outside input is going to be helpful. So that was one of the earliest things I ever did. So the Apex Pro is kind of a non-traditional data system, right? It's not people I don't say people my age but when you got into data um, uh, like when I got into data the the solo was kind of the was was sort of the de facto way yes. to do it if you weren't gonna go full motec or something like that right it was the it was very much the the normal people way sure. to do it and and they've had their their teeth in carting they're the standard cart data set so like if you go to a cart track everyone will have a solo two on it or the the micron is the other one that they have but okay. like that's all done the same way right like you've got uh you know you've got your lap time up there in a smaller window they'll they'll have the fastest lap time the new ones have like the blinking lights for you know are you going slower or are you sucking and they can have some sector time stuff on them but that's really yep. very traditional uh, driver facing data acquisition stuff but the apex isn't like that right uh it's actually very similar especially now they've been developing it over the year um andrew rains and th the guys over there are just constantly adapting and improving the platform but the reason i got it was from the basic notion that like looking at numbers is very hard when you're in the middle of a really tight corner <laughs> or you're coming up to an area that makes you really nervous. Like your our, our little lizard brains in the back, like really kind of st stop thinking higher function wise. 
and it's hard to process like raw numbers and raw data when you're in those scenarios and part of it's also how I learned but the Apex Pro its main visual feedback is our lights um, you've got a single light readout that I put high and not directly in my vision but pretty close to it and it's on and the the isn't it on the cowling thing like uh, over yeah. the instrument binnacle for yep I just yep. like the word binnacle, binnacle. <laughs> yeah that's that's where I have mine I, I've I tried it in a different location but I found that I really need it a lot closer to my center field of vision okay. um, and essentially it what it does is that it very quickly learns what your car is capable of in uh, braking acceleration and lateral G loads and it shows you on that very simple light bar how much grip your car is capable of and at the same time what you are actually achieving and so okay. on brake entry if you've got I've got it set up to the typical green light over red light so if I see any red lights that means I've got grip available still and depending on where I see it in a corner depends on what I change if I've got it if I've got, if I'm maximizing my corner entry, but my exit is leaving a lot on the table, I might be overcooking the entry and killing my exit a little bit. So how can I modify that? It doesn't necessarily tell you what to do, but it does give you immediate visual feedback on what you, what's still left on the table. And then of course, once you get back to the pits, you've got all the accelerometer data time data gps data and you can play all that back find out uh how you're doing in braking zones stuff like that so that was one of the earliest things i did um do you have to learn how to learn from that what's the learning curve for the learning curve i think it helps they've got a lot of good videos out that kind of break down different features and how to best get the information out but it's really intuitive like it's very very simple it's all on your phone um okay the the deeper you want to dive i think the little bit more work you it takes but you could get up and running in five minutes with it really and go faster because of it so you think like if somebody like if i I would say I borrowed yours, but I could throw one in my car for a track day that's got four sessions at it. And yes. by the end of the fourth session, I'd have a pretty good idea at how it was going to make me better. Yes. And I would say it probably wouldn't take that long. Um, All right. The only reason, the only reason I believe you. So I used to listen, I, I listened to this on some other podcasts and I was like, Meh, I don't think I believe you. But the the um either the solo two or the micron i think the solo two has lights on it like that um at least yes. when the cart setups are and they're just they're simply doing a predictive they're like lights for a predictive lap timer oh, okay. so it's it's green or red and if you've got i think it's up to four lights and so however many green lights you have they're like cool you're doing better and you don't suck at this and yep. if you have red you're like yeah 
guess who sucks at this? And and as that goes back and forth through the course of a lap, you figure out whether you're picking up or going, or, or losing time. Sure. And that's actually way less, that, that readout is actually way less sophisticated than what the Apex is doing. Sure. Because it's really based on on whole lap time. I think you can set it for sectors like that, but uh, the cards okay. I've borrowed don't have it set for sectors. Um, and that is phenomenally helpful. Like, and, way more than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and that was one of the reasons why I, I jumped on board, is I, I'm a very visual learner. And the the intuitive nature for me, and that is just like, I could see where I was leaving things on the table, but it was up to me to find out how to get that. So I still had to, like, it wasn't driving the car for me, um, but I kind of had to get creative and learn how, like, you know, you could brake harder. You could brake for a little bit longer or you could break harder, you could break later and carry it into the corner farther, you could get back to power later but quicker. I mean, there's all sorts of these things, but it kind of encourages you to play around to see what's going to work, and I find that to be pretty valuable. I mean, really, to some extent, all data is like that. You know, sure. the the fast national-level cart kids at the track have data coaches that fly in to teach them how to read and utilize their data over the course of, you know, they'll be there like, man, my data coach is coming for two days to teach me stuff. And I was like, cool, we play a different game. Um, <laughs> but but, but that's, that's essentially what it is, yeah. right? Like you can have this $800 box on your steering wheel, but learning how to figure out what it's saying and then interpret that and turn that into, like sort of turn that data from, because these kids will have a data coach and a driver coach, which are two different people. And their data coach is teaching them how to use the data and their driver coach is teaching them how to drive. And at the level these these 13-year-olds are at, they're like, you know, those are two separate skills and people you're going to pay money to do two different things. But yeah, well, yeah and I so, think so that's... learning to use any data system is a thing. Yes, and, and when I have gotten... Um some input from coaches and instructors which is another thing I really try to do is I try to get uh, people to watch video look at my data I try to get input on these things because again like how I interpret the data and how I read the data probably isn't as sophisticated as somebody else so to have somebody look at that right. is helpful to have other people and even myself I think the other thing that a lot of us have access to is now is just in-car video being able to watch what we are doing almost like a ghost on our shoulder like you can have the out-of-body experience without fear of crashing without fear of speed um, with so much extra bandwidth because you're just getting to watch it on a screen and all of a sudden you can have this out-of-body experience to where you can critique yourself and you can see what you're doing well where when you're in the driver's seat i think that's just a lot harder to do i feel like i'm bad at watching video um i never watch track videos uh, i actually in cars i stopped shooting them um and messing with it because i 
can't tell you any time I've watched my own videos where I really thought it was useful hmm. other than this is the the one exception is I watch driver inputs on video. Um, if people ever yes. show me a video, like an in-car video, and I can't see their hands, I'm like, cool, this is useless. Um, yes. I, Whatever, it's just watching out your windshield and it means nothing to me. Yeah, um, it's... Because if I can't... Like like you're missing half of of what is good information if I can't see the driver. Yeah, if if all you're taking a picture of is out your front window or off the side of your car or out the back, all we can discern is line and maybe rotation, and that's it. And more often than not, those are really beginner to lower level intermediate things that we can watch and pay attention to it's really if you're going to have a camera it really needs to be mounted in your car in a place where we can see out your windshield we can see your hands and we can see your feet if we can see those three things that is valuable coaching feedback video that will not only benefit you but will actually give your coach or your instructor the ability to see what's actually happening and what you're actually doing to the car. Yes. Yeah, I don't I don't want to watch you drive around the track. <laughs> That's like 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 somebody's like, cool, you can watch me drive this lap around Eagles Canyon. I'm like, I know what it looks like to go around Eagles Canyon. I don't really want to watch through a tiny square that's, you know, your windshield or I want to watch your fender drive around Eagles Canyon. I'm not yeah. that interested. If, Do I want to watch your hands data. drive around? Yeah, even if it's yeah, got like, data overlaid. Uh, it doesn't mean anything to me. But I would love to watch what you do with your hands as you drive around Eagles Canyon. That's and maybe it's because I'm not interested. I'm like not, uh, I'm jaded. I'm just not that interested <laughs> in going around tracks themselves. I mean, tr tracks that I know, yeah, it's kind of fun to watch laps that I, that I, you know, I like having when people post a video and they don't tell me where it's from and I have to guess which track it is. That's fun. That's a neat game. Yeah. Um, I saw an NCM video that somebody was like posting about a car and I, and I didn't know it was at that track and it took me like six corners. I'm like, wait a minute. That's NCM. That's cool. So that was entertaining. But um, normally, like, if I can't see your hands, I can't see your feet, I don't want to watch a video. Like, I don't want to just watch a track go by. Um, I'm, maybe I'm a jerk. I feel like I'm a jerk by saying that out loud. <laughs> and the, and the, the last thing I'm excited and is coming up is I am actually will be doing a weekend uh, in about a month and a half actually not that long over a month less than a month and a half um, where I've actually got a coach for the weekend and I'm I'm splitting that with uh, a friend of mine to help kind of mitigate some costs and things like that but I'm very excited that I just that sounds awesome go uh, do a track weekend where I'm not competing so I, you know you don't have the the extra focus and pressure of performing well and I won't have any students of my own so all I have to focus on is the car and driving it and that's this it. is under the banner of a normal organization so it's like yeah. you and another dude paid a coach to come hang out with you for 
a track weekend. Yep. I don't know how this. I don't know how this is done. I'm. <laughs> yeah. I'm a noob at, at car coaching. Like if if a it's, coach doesn't my come first along time. with what I paid for, then I have no idea. I, and I would not have been able to do this without um without some some very dear help, um, but yeah, I'm I'm super excited, and I'll I'll have to report back after it happens, but I think it's going to be good. So, learning about ourselves, I think. You know, it's definitely important that we get outside feedback. That we we talked about getting good video is important. Data is important. Um, instructors and coaches are important. Even talking to other drivers who are out driving with you, um, that can be helpful. Maybe not as helpful as some of the others, but they could still give you impressions of how fast you're turning the steering wheel based on the cars, how the car enters and goes through a corner. Um, that's still something that you could seek out if you, if you wanted to. Well, and, and people who, when they start doing stuff, one thing I always encourage them to do when you go, so they have back in the, back in the before times when we had classroom sessions, um, I would always encourage people, especially if it's your first couple weekends, like ask the group, go, okay, cool. I was in the yellow S2000. Theoretically, I've got a cooler car than I do. And, you know, when I pointed you by, was, did I give you enough room? Or, yes. or when I did these things, did you, like, I have an impression of I'm giving you enough room and I'm doing these things right. Do you guys think that I'm doing that just fine? And the first time you're introduced to open passing groups, same thing. Um, you know, am I giving you enough room? Am I staying online the way that I'm thinking? Do you see any problems in how I'm doing that? And that's, hap that's sort of a, a politeness thing where you need to learn how you interact with other people because I think sometimes the way you interact with other cars is different than the way other cars think you interact with them yes so that's a, a true thing a true thing thing as well um so it's not just how am i driving it's you know how polite am i being well um because i don't think you always know how polite you're being no and that's why and this is largely why i say and believe that racing and even just driving is a team sport um because you are out on track with other cars with other people and you have to work together to not crash, to stay on track, to have everybody try to do the best that they possibly can. Um, after I really try, like after every good battle I have, I, I like, you know, try to go find them immediately so I can like celebrate and like high five and do all that kind of stuff. Um, but also like one of the last things I ask is, and how was it? Did I give you enough room? Did any feedback anything like that because i'm i know i'm still learning uh i know i certainly have room for improvement so with those people that i battle closely uh, i feel like those are the people who can at least etiquette wise can hey you know it's like i know you gave me enough room but could you give me like another foot <laughs> just another foot <laughs> right um just as like a courtesy to me and it's like absolutely i can do that i remember i actually asked 
one of the guys I drive with for that very thing in 2019, uh, which was my first season in GLTC. He, he was racing me totally fairly. Uh, he's giving me enough room, but he was just a little closer than I felt comfortable with in a car that had to drive me back to Michigan from Wisconsin. <laughs> so I said, hey, I can see that. I'm going to ask this and feel free to say no, but could you give me just another foot? <laughs> just just a little bit. <laughs> and he was he's totally cool about it. And we went on. But that's like that's the team aspect of racing that. Like I just, I always want to come back to like whether you are a first time track driver, um, giving good clear single point buys, um, preferably off while you're on the racing line. <laughs> I could go into the whole instructor right. spiel here, but um, but why you have to play nice with others, because really for me the jump from beginner to intermediate happens when you're predictable and when you play well with others and where you follow all the rules. If you can do those three things to me, you're almost immediately in intermediate. Right. Um, and I just think, again, the, the whole team sport aspect, like getting better, whether it's in a race car, whether it's in your job, whether it's in a relationship, like it requires other people. It requires outside input to really become better at any of those things. You have to seek outside feedback, outside information, something to, to truly improve yourself kind of like you said that I have this impression of myself this is who I think I am when I look in the mirror does that match up with your experience and that's a scary qu yeah. that's a scary question to ask because <laughs> the answer more often than we'd like to admit is no right so how do you how do you deal with that that kind of feedback when when you do have your your own self-impression your your own mental image of who you are and the answer is no that's that's not what i think is actually happening that's not who i think you actually are or that's certainly not how you're behaving Right. But how I think how we deal with that is important as well. And, you know, we could talk about that as far. It, it, I guess everything's a relationship. Like if, if there's more than one person involved, it's always a relationship. It's not like, I mean, a romantic relationship. But if you've got two people on track and they're battling with each other they're they have a, a briefly intimate automotive relationship. Yeah, 100 percent. And. So how you deal with, I don't want to say criticism, because it's not always criticism. Sometimes it's how you deal with the compliments associated with that as well. But um, I think we we deal with criticism worse than we deal with compliments. Sure. Um, because we feel like criticism is an attack and a compliment is the opposite of that. Um, well, I think that would depend on how you see the other person. 
Like I think if you if you view that other person as a threat or if you see them as competition in a zero sum game then yeah any criticism that they have it's going to be an attack on you but i think if you i think that's the default position in racing though i think that's how that's it, most people like that's how almost everybody approaches it that's the default position is not that you're my enemy but we're out there trying to be I'm trying to be in front of you. You're trying to be in front of me. So there's there's some level of adversarial stuff going on on track. Yes. And I think this is why I'm very grateful for the One Lap of America culture and uh, the GLTC culture that I think is has a lot of similarities is the, the One Lap. Uh, I think it was I think it was Andy Hollis who said that's not uh it's not a competition among the drivers to see who's better. It's a competition where all the drivers are trying to beat the competition itself. And you're trying to beat the event, not each yes, other. Exactly. And and I think that's important because like I may want to beat you, Seth, but I want you to be the best version of Seth that you can possibly be like if i'm keeping secrets from you if i'm like trying to get into your head before a race if i'm hoping that you don't buy data so that you don't have that feedback so i can beat you like that's i'm i'm not beating you i'm not even competing with you i'm just trying to win and i don't think i don't that's not something I'm interested in. I want you to yeah. pursue coaching. I want you to do research. I want you to read. I want you to tweak your car and continue to improve it so that when we are on track next to each other going into a corner, we we get to have that discussion <laughs> around a racetrack side by <laughs> side to really like see like what do you have? What do I have? It's and you know, when you come into a particular corner, it's like, oh, wow, you did that. I didn't know you could do that. I'm going to try that next time. And over the course of a race, all of a sudden you find you and the person that you're chasing or leading, you both did your best times you've ever done there because you're improving yourselves through that relationship with the other driver. It's the nature of... of competition versus friendly competition yeah i guess i w i would kind of hope that just that's just how it is <laughs> rather than like types <laughs> types of competition this is the idea i feel like you haven't i feel like you haven't really been around middle-aged men spending absurd amounts of money to try to beat other middle-aged men at dumb sports yeah i've i've seen it i'd I don't think I, I don't think I'm in those spaces. <laughs> and to be honest, like I'm, no, I don't want to be. And I don't want to call out any particular organizations, but I, but. I think some cultures are different than others yes. when it comes to that. And, and there are certainly places that I don't have a, a huge interest in racing 
because I don't like the culture associated with it. Not that the racing isn't good, because I've seen some places that have just phenomenal racing. And as a fan, I love to watch it. But I don't want to go play with those guys, because playing with them looks dumb and horrible and mean, and I don't want to do it. Yeah, I mean, even... And it's and it's hard to tell intention or anything because I haven't watched enough data. But I remember uh, watching the 24 hours of Daytona uh, a week or so ago, and a car got spun before the green flag because somebody got got into his back <laughs> bumper, and at least from the one camera angle I saw, turned the wheel and spun this guy around. And it's like. I watch some spec Miata races that are just brutal uh, that these guys aren't racing. Yeah. They're trying to wreck each other. And this th- that is not all spec Miata races. But we've all seen clips no. where <laughs> that is not friendly competition. No, it's not. And in motorcycle racing, um, they always say that, you know, the faster it gets, the more respect people have for each other. Oh, that's um, interesting. If you watch, it, like, like, like Moto, th- on the world stage, you've got Moto3 and then Moto2 and then MotoGP. And Moto3 is like a knife fight on motorcycles. Like, those guys are rubbing and elbowing and like sketch moves and just and, and part of it's because it's a bunch of 14 to 18 year old kids mostly right and they're just dumb and don't know any better yeah. and that's kind of how it is karting is the same way right like put a bunch of put a bunch of 14 and 15 year olds and 30 horsepower karts together and you know what's going to happen mayhem it's going to be terrible but by the time you get to to moto gp and you you're on a motorcycle that's got over 300 horsepower and you're going you know 200 miles an hour those guys have a tremendous amount of respect for each other. Not that they never touch each other. Sure. But you don't see the same shenanigans that you see in in lower levels and I don't want to say lower speeds, but but I think there's some of that you see. I mean, you see that in Formula 1 versus Formula 3, right? The the kids racing Formula 3 do things that like no one would ever let you drive a Formula 1 car if you did those things. But I th- I, I think what's interesting how you started how you were talking about the the bikes versus even the cars even if it is formula one do you think that some of that respect is based on a healthy respect for how dangerous what they're doing is yeah uh i don't know it's I mean, so so all motorcycle racing is fundamentally dangerous, right? I mean, I, I race around eight eight horsepower kids bikes, and there's there's definitely a danger element to that versus two hundred horsepower you know super bikes that you can go buy at the dealership and go ride around. It's all motorcycle racing. The high boost is coming back. Did you and, see and that? I, I didn't see that. I have no interest <laughs> in that bike at all. Not even a teeny no. tiny bit. <laughs> Me neither. But. I I don't know like so I haven't raced cars wheel to wheel right I've just done track I've done track days I've done I've done time attack and other than my I don't know there's like I don't want to say there's a sense of there, there's less of a sense of mortality involved in it um 
uh, you know, I've, I've spun a car into a wall, which was not fun, but there, I, I don't have, I don't know where I'm, I don't know where I'm going with this. Like in wheel to wheel racing, do you think there's the same level of, we all understand that this could go super, super pear shaped? I think in the series I race, GLTC, I think those who really try to set the tone and keep the culture that we've, I feel, worked pretty hard to get to and maintain, preach that often. That turn one, lap one, in the middle of a rainstorm where you can't see anything, like we are all in this together. <laughs> you know, if yeah. somebody from the back on the inside piles it in to turn one lap one where you can't see anything and take you could take out half the field pretty easily. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you're going side by side, at least this is something I certainly feel strongly and something I try to preach often is I feel responsible if I'm on the inside to make it sure that the two of us get through it together. Because if I go in too fast, which I have done, or if you get too loose, your car goes out where somebody else is. Right. And that's, I just, I want to do it together. You know, it's why, why block a car from getting up alongside you all you're doing is not having a good time like let the person race you like blocking to me isn't really racing let them in there like see see what they've got see what you've got i don't know that's yeah that 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 would be my hope and aspiration for for racing is to do it together even if you're competing and seeing who is faster, because ultimately I think the best competition is when everybody is trying to make everybody else better. I think that's, I think that's what's, I think that's what's interesting to me. But how, so, but you do that, but it's not like you, give somebody a place to go they have to they still have to earn that place to go right well they yeah i mean they've got to get up alongside sure right so there's i mean you say it all soft and fluffy but i don't think like heat of the moment scott is quite that soft and fluffy i the one of the my most excited on track moments was when i got past <laughs> um <laughs> yeah it was with Eric Meadows, who drives a NC Miata on slicks with no arrow at Autobahn. And he and I, you know, he's got slicks, so his tire, and it was super hot that weekend. His tires are good for the race. Mine get going really well, really quickly, but then like the last two and a half, three laps, they just hate life. And so we were at that point where my tires were, 
not as grippy as they once were. And he's on my butt a lot better in braking than I am. But I had a little bit more power and my my corner speeds were okay but it's harder it's hard to pass and I could see him behind me studying me and he tried a couple things that just didn't quite work out and finally I think it was with like two laps to go I I had kind of figured out how I could keep him behind me on every section of the track except one (laughs) and he did the perfect move (laughs) at that one spot on track that I didn't think about and he landed it and he made it perfect and it was just exciting because I learned something in that moment that actually helped me at another race later on Um, and it was it was perfect and he did it cleanly and I learned from it he got by me so it's like not quite a win-win but you know we all we both got something out of it yeah, I wonder if if the ability to see things in mirrors really changes things uh, in bikes versus oh, cars. Oh, that's because we don't have mirrors. Yeah, you know, carts carts don't have mirrors. Cars are the only things that have mirrors. That's interesting. Everybody else is. You can, I mean, you can hear somebody behind you sometimes, and there's a there's a spidey senses of like I know they're there. But you don't see them until they're in your peripheral vision, right? Until you're, until, unless when they're farther back, sort of, you know, there's a, there's that looking across the track sure. thing, which is one reason that I think motorcyclists are very good at looking across the track. Um, because that's our, you know, that's the only other way we can see what's going mm. on is, is like looking toward other parts of the tracks. Cause you don't really look behind sure. you ever basically. Um, in but in cars, you know what's going on behind you. You know, like a dude's been stalking you for three laps, and it because you've seen him there the and whole it's time. All, and it can certainly almost be a curse. You know, you can get stuck in your mirrors and not actually yeah. looking out where where you go because you're terrified of this person behind you. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that's I. I don't know. I, I I wonder, but I, I and I and I haven't done I have not done a real track day since I started doing bikes, um, real track day in a car since I started doing bikes. Um, the big part of that is just because life has been like that, right? There was there were no track days for a long time with COVID, and since then I just haven't had a chance to do one. And I really want to do one again, partly to test my theory that this whole motorcycle thing was going to make me a better car driver. Um, cause I didn't really intend on abandoning cars by starting to do this. Um, even though some people are in my real life are accusing me of like, uh, you're never going to do cars again. And I'm like, well, I mean, like maybe when I'm old, <laughs> um, but you know, part of that is just that since I, I didn't, I didn't think my kids were going to start doing this with me. Um, and, and since my daughter rides with me now, it's. I've said this before, like spending the time and money to go do a track day by myself versus spending more time riding bikes with my daughter just doesn't make sense. No. Um, that makes me kind of a jerk as a dad to go do car track yeah. stuff well, you're, um, versus being a good dad doing motorcycle track well, yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a lot easier to make that investment when you're you're getting more than just seat time. Yeah. 
but I really want to, I want to test it. I want to drive something with mirrors again. Like I desperately want to go out on track where I have mirrors. Well, you you, you and, come out to another Grid Life event and I am confident that I can find a car for you to get in. Confident. All right. Yeah, I kind of want to do just, uh, I need to figure out what, what grid life things I can go to and come out and do, do a day of HPDE. I mean, I can, uh, I can throw tires on the Accord and make sure the brake pads are still functional. Right. Um, they, it's got the giant Willwoods on there. Like they're if fine. they have pad material left, they're fine. Um, and and take the Accord out because the Accord's still good at Accord level things. Sure because it's built to such a, a low standard that like it doesn't make enough horsepower to break anything. So if the brakes work, everything's fine. And I'll um, set you up with a with my Apex Pro and you can look at data. You which I would love to try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to truth everything. Truth like it. I don't I had these like you asked me at the beginning, like what was what was your plan? What did you do to make stuff better? And like I had this plan and I've executed, but I don't know if it's worked or not. Like I followed mm. through, I just don't know if like, I haven't truthed it. We talked about like the truth part of it, and I haven't truthed you, it yet. I don't you know. Just can't trust yourself. I mean, I've had I've had a blast. I would no, I would never give up the last whatever year and a half of riding motorcycles. It's been amazing, yep. but I don't know if it accomplished what I meant it to accomplish. I really have no idea. I think twenty twenty one is the year for us to put that to the test. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably not going to be on one lap this year for a variety of reasons. Boo. Um, there was, there's, there's still chances I might be. Boo. Um, but I'm probably not going to be. Um, but I do Boo. want to figure. I know I suck. <laughs> I suck. I'm bad. But I didn't sign up for it anyway. Like I didn't sign up. I had other reasons I to not know. sign up for, uh, 2021 lap, which was legit like like good father type yeah, stuff not signing up for one lap in 2020 um and uh, other than being invited to be in someone else's entry this year there's no way to get into to 2021 one lap sure. like that's been full with a 50 person wait list since they canceled the event last yep. year so it's not like i could go cool i definitely want to do 2021 there it was not possible yep. So I'm kind of hoping there's a way for me to squeak in, like, entry list-wise for me to get in for 2022. Well, I can't make you and do anything. That will be the... But if you want to come out to an event, we'll find you a car if you don't have one. <laughs> we can make it happen if you want to. Horse, here's some water. Will you uh, Yeah, the problem is... And uh, we should talk to to those powers that be at Gridlife because they suck at having events anywhere near me. The only thing that's remotely close to me is at Coda, and that's not a real Gridlife event anyway. That's just GLTC racing with Super Lap yeah, Battle. You've got to be a crew chief that week. Um, yeah, I got to try to make sure Brian does all the things that happen. Although, no, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be at Coda. Did I tell you about that? Nope. First motorcycle race of the season. That was the Ooh. only thing that we were worried about is that they would be scheduled for that weekend. And it came out like last week, I don't know, Monday or Tuesday or something. They were like, oh, yeah, by the way, this is the first weekend of motorcycle racing. 
And so the first thing I did, like the news was, I don't know, 38 minutes old on Facebook. And I sent Brian a message. I'm like, remember that thing I was going to do to be a good friend and make your life better? Yep. Can't do that. Canceled. So, All right. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So I will not be at Coda and everything else is too far away. It's like, oh, cool. Just drive to Ohio or Wisconsin or I don't know. Can we get farther away than that? Colorado, um, maybe. Get, yeah. You guys. Your, I love get you your guys. Butt on a plane. But, I don't know. Yeah. We should all fly in airplanes right now. That's a good idea, Scott. I did it. It worked out OK. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did it once. Anyway, we are rambling. We are track walking. Are we? Are we? Are, are we? we? <laughs> um, we are on Facebook and Instagram at Track Walking Podcast. Uh, please rate us and review us on whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on. And uh, yeah, I guess the question this week is how do you get better at doing things? What do you use? Secondary question. How are you honest to yourself about getting how, better at doing how things? Do, how did you say it? How do you truth? How do you, how do you truth yeah. yourself? <laughs> All right. Well, we will see you next week. Uh, for two of us here, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. We are track walking. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>